0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Burnt Out Entrepreneur Podcast. Today I'm here with Lay. She is a launch and system strategist, and for those of you who follow me, she and I are connected through that world. And I just love launching. I love system strategy, and of course, I had to have her on my podcast. She supports entrepreneurs, and if you if you look at her page, go to her website and see all the people that she's worked with. So you, know why I'm such a fangirl of her work. Um, She supports entrepreneurs in creating profitable launches. (laughs) Go look at her page and see how many profitable launches that she's been a part of. And she sees launches as a sustainable part of the coaching business. If we're not launching, if we're not selling things, then how do we even have a business? And I love the model that she teaches because she emphasizes values, leadership, and the system that she helps us coaches entrepreneurs create I love this success beyond the card a lot of times we focus on card itself the numbers and before we hopped on and started recording we were just talking about numbers and how sometimes Mm -hmm. they are uh, used in 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 certain ways that may or may not serve the clients and I love that she uh, helps her clients really create these launch systems and uses it to enroll clients on repeat. And uh, her style is really about building the values of integrity, growth, and love. So without further
1: ado, welcome Lara to the podcast. And thank you for all of your kind words. I feel the feeling is very mutual. I think so high you. I'm really honored to be here today.
0: Oh, thank you. So the topic of today's episode is launch burnout. You and I have worked with a lot of different clients, helping them with launches and strategy. Mm -hmm. And we've seen our clients have launch burnout. And I know we've seen our client's audience also have launch burnout. So one, let's talk about launching from a team perspective, because you and I have worked on those teams sometimes that it's really around launch burnout. So. what do you suggest, they, uh, us as coaches, if we are struggling with launch burnout, what would you say on how do we identify launch burnout? And then two, like, what are some steps that you take with your clients to help them not only identify launch burnout, but how to manage and mitigate that? Because we are in the middle of a launch, or we're it's, it's either we're always in some kind of launch phase, pre-launch, launching, active launch host launch, looking at metrics, gearing up for the next one. How do we help our clients or how do the coaches who are listening today identify the launch burnout and how to help them mitigate launch burnout in whatever phase of the launch cycle that they are in?
1: So, I mean, launch burnout looks similar to burnout in any other area of your life or your business. Uh, and I've gone through being on many teams and and just my business. In life, I have four kids, I have three dogs, I live with my mom and my sister. So like, I've gone through burnout myself. And um, a lot of it, identifying it uh, is really when you start to, the first kind of things that I notice is when I start to let go of some of the non-negotiables that I have, right? and I start to, and one of those huge things is self-care. Right? So uh, when I, I used to um, get a massage every single week, right? and I noticed at certain points in my business, when I was getting busy and my clients were at higher expectations and more demands, I was like, I don't have time for that anymore. Right? And I started to notice those things that filled me up that helped my self-care and helped me show up as my best. I right? was starting to fall by the wayside. And, and then I started to feel my energy I was having trouble sleeping, I was having trouble getting up and out of bed in the morning. And I was going in to do things. I was feeling drained before I even started them uh, right. and, and started to experience breakdowns, right? Whether that was like in re- my personal relationships, my kids and my husband, when I was getting burnout in my business, with team members having like shorter fuse when there's mistakes or, or there's a conflict or you're not. You're not receiving something the way that maybe somebody intended. Mistake, quote unquote, mistakes, right? Maybe something goes out wrong or miss a detail that's really important. So uh, those are some of the things that I start to notice. I'm going into burnout and with my clients and the team members too, I start to notice. uh, And then it's a slippery slope once you get in there. If you don't want to have the awareness, and once you have the awareness, if you don't start to take some action, it can, it can progress and advance like there quickly, which I'm sure you, <laughs> I'm yeah. sure you can talk all about, but so, that's how I would say to like the things that you can start looking for to identify launch burnout.
0: And I love how you said the non-negotiables because right, this whole podcast is about how to prevent entrepreneur burnout. And a lot of times what we see it in our with our clients with our teams when they start not having those non-negotiables on their calendar and like oh I'll, I'm just you know let me put that off put yeah. that off but when do we start yeah. saying yes to ourselves first Is like I always preach this as an entrepreneur is our greatest asset if we're not mm-hmm. taking care of our brains then how are we going to come up with the ideas how are we going to lead how are we going to show up online Is our brains direct our mouths. And if say we're in a summit and we're launching a summit, we're speaking every day. Like I'm leading a podcast. How am I going to show up if my brain is not correctly connected to my mouth? If my brain is mushy and gushy, because I'm not doing the self-care practices that lead to an expansive mind, a clear, coherent thought patterns and all of that. Like, how am I going to show up and be that powerful CEO that I need to be in my business? And how am I going to help mitigate issues with, Or amongst team members, it's like, okay, how can I have to be grounded? I have to be being a self-led leader. I'm like, okay, how do I show up in this space as a leader? And not to say that like we we have to be superhuman and be like, I got
1: it all straight. On all the time. On
0: all the time. But how do we recognize those things that are like, oh, that's chomping at me. So we have those four signs. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. How do we then, like, if we recognize we are in one of those four halt symptoms, then of course it'll say, okay, w- halt, what am I doing and how do I get mm-hmm. out of this mode and what is contributing to me feeling this way right now? And like, okay, let me go fix it. And that's some of the things that I help my clients with when they are in burnout. I like, okay, I see this is happening or like, which one are, mm-hmm. which one are you in? And then before... For for both of us, we love setting up systems and how to create mitigating actions beforehand, before it happens. Or be proactive. Proactive. And a lot of times when I was talking to someone else about troubleshooting yesterday, I came from in the oil and gas field. A lot Mm -hmm. of my job was troubleshooting and that Mm -hmm. we built a whole incident investigation database and an issue happened. We would write down all of the steps that led up to said incident. Mm-hmm. And then based on those circumstances, we would have mitigating actions to take yeah. to prevent another incident from occurring. And I was like, wow, well, I didn't realize that that was going to be such a huge asset to mm. helping my clients in their launch strategy. Cause the other day I was helping someone in my church ministry. She's like, there, like there was a a fire. For her. And I was like, yeah. huh, let me just ask these follow up questions to get the answers. And I was happy yeah. to lead her to help her find her own answers instead of always relying mm-hmm. on us as leaders. And that's another part of leadership and launch burnout is when we are taking it on, right? say we are the launch strategist, we're the business coach and we keep mm-hmm. taking our clients problems on or the team mm-hmm. members problems on and we become their savior
1: either as a coach mm-hmm. or strategist. Yeah. And they're yeah. so used to the coming to us, and it's really disempowering to them, actually. And and then it, it perpetuates perpetuates that pattern. And instead of having a team that's empowered uh, and can make decisions and use their own judgment for things, we're like kind of taking that away from them. And one of the one of the things that I I feel like for coaches that they get burnout around is like decision fatigue, right? Of, of being the one that everybody goes to. Uh, when you start to empower your team, like I said, by asking those questions and, and get them to start thinking critically about the problems that are coming up, the breakdowns that are happening, the opportunity and the solutions, it takes some of that off of you and helps to relieve that, that pressure. I love what you shared about troubleshooting. I read a leadership book last year. I don't remember the name and it this wasn't specific to this book, so it doesn't matter. But uh, they were talking about the Toyota company and the Toyota Company had this framework when a problem would arise to ask why five times. Five whys or something like that. Please then
0: I used okay, yes. to yes.
1: I love it. Like I mean I've done that in practice, but I didn't have a framework for it. And I love when I read that I was like oh yes and that it's so effective. Right? I've been in launches where it's like there's an immediate fire. There's an immediate problem that needs to be solved. And in the moment you're, you're going to solve it. And, and, and sometimes you have to solve it and keep moving because other things are happening. But when you take the time to reflect and say, well, why didn't the email go out on time? Well, because it didn't get to the person in time. Well, why didn't it, like, you just didn't get to the person in time. Well, there was a breakdown between these two team members. But if you don't stop and go, well, why didn't it get to the person in time? Well, why didn't that person have what they needed to get it to them in time? Well, why didn't, you know, you start, like, peeling back those layers Um, you find the root cause and that's how you solve problems, right? And, and and stop them from continuing to happen and help to alleviate the breakdowns, the burnout and all of that stuff. So it's, it's so worth the time to like dig a little bit deeper than just being on the surface.
0: Uh, So back to the five whys, when I was talking Mm -hmm. about the incident database, that was the process we used was the five why process. And I I love that because, and we can use it in our coaching businesses as well for us as coaches with our clients. I did say our client comes to us with a meltdown or a breakdown, personal business, whatever. It's like, oh, well, why did this happen? Okay. Why did number one happen? Why did number two happen? And yeah. it really helps us with the self-reflection that we need to really analyze it really helps to take us out of the blame game Uh like that halts right angry the angry is usually the blame game especially when we're dealing with teens and launches it's Mm -hmm. like well why didn't this happen Mm -hmm. Uh, well if we use the five why process we can logically come to a conclusion that well and And I think this is part of the launch burnout. It's like, well, we didn't have a big enough runway to actually pull off this launch without (laughs) incidents. So Um, maybe next time we're coming with an idea that's really close to the wire, maybe we will add another week to the launch date or, or something like that to mitigate those things. And I don't know. Do you want to dive into sometimes when our clients come to us with these big ideas and they want to like put it out next week? And how do you help guide your clients through the thought process of like, oh, okay, well, I, I know that this is what you would like happen. But ideally, we need an X amount of timeline to really get do a good job on this.
1: I would love to speak into that. So I think um, I work with, and you probably have too, I don't know if if your listeners are familiar with the, the Colby A assessment, but I work with a lot of quick starts, right? they're the ideas people and they get ideas really quickly and they get really excited about them. And very, in a very well-intentioned way, they want to get whatever it is they're creating into the hands of the people that it's going to help. Right. And uh, quite often they're like, I have this idea and I want it done yesterday. Right? Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and the the fact is, is that uh, I approach that from the perspective of setting expectations. So clients I've had many clients over there say, Well, we could do it. We could do it in a week. Yes, absolutely. We could do it in a week. But if we do it in a week, here's what we're sacrificing. We're sacrificing a very well thought out client experience that's going to support your client's journey and your conversions and your retention and your referrals. Like not even in the short term, right? Getting longer down the line. We're going to sacrifice the team's uh, team's bandwidth because they can only do so much uh, in so little of time, and 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 that's when breakdowns happen. When we're in this, when we're in this state of urgency, and there's a lot of moving parts, and and everyone's trying to just scramble. There's breakdowns. There's mistakes that happens. There's miscommunications, Uh, and then also it. For the, for the coach too, because a lot of coaches that I work, even, even the ones that are very well established that have are, are high earning, high earning coaches, they are very often still writing their copy. They're still very involved in the messaging and uh, the ones that are going live on Facebook or they're the right still need to show up, right? they're they're putting themselves also in a position of burnout that's like we well, already have all these you kind know, of these coaching calls on your calendar for this week and then how are we going to fit in the other things that the sales calls or the right So I always approach it one from from thinking about it, from setting expectations. And also yes. I always tie it back to how it's going to serve them. And I, I, and that is really, <laughs> really effective because we can say all day, like the team's going to get, your team's going to feel burnout and the client experience, but like, if, If we know what their goals are, if we know what our goals are and we know what our intentions are and we know what our values are, bringing it back to that and like, how is this going to affect our ability to achieve the best possible outcome for this? And is it worth, is it worth it to you to sacrifice that outcome because you want to get this done quickly? Um, And, and, and very often we meet in a middle ground. It's not, it's, it's very rarely that a client's like, give you the eight week runway that you want. (laughs) i very often we meet in the middle, we find a common ground that meets everybody's meets everybody's needs and and, and then we move forward and um, in cases where where that's like a constant pattern and it's like, okay, how do we interrupt this and like yeah. get ahead of the planning?" because that's the other thing. When you get in that pattern and you get behind on planning, it's a domino effect every Gosh, marketing yes promotion after that is getting behind and you're just stuck in this cycle and and then that's when the burnout happens when it's the back to back to back to back and you don't have the space
0: and i i know some of the things that i would do to get ahead of the planning is templates system say we're launching right the webinar template mm-hmm. is the same every time the only thing that changes is the content
1: create yeah. recreate the wheel every time to talk about cuz we were talking about numbers before we before we started the podcast uh, using your data looking at what worked what didn't work and using that to inform your decisions so you have a sure learning curve uh, and using that to make your make your decisions in your planning process i think is really, really helpful
0: and going back to decision fatigue when we're looking at the numbers and we're allowing the numbers to dictate what our next plan of action is going to be, that really helps with the decision fatigue. It's a lot of times, so so many opportunities, directions, well, I could do all of the things. And then that gets us into decision fatigue because we are weighing them out in our brains. But when we pull the data and we look at it on paper, okay, well, the data shows this, even though I feel, I mean, of course, I know there's a lot of, coaches on here that are that lead more intuitively and we we can't knock that that side of the people that help and support because that that is um, a lot of what makes them unique and what draws their client base to them because they have all of that but then that's why they need people like us to help round with the numbers with the the logistical pieces and like well here is like here's what it all the different assets we need to create here's the normal timeline and based on how these two team members interact can we manage teams that are all over the globe
1: <laughs> working in all different time zones absolutely and there's cultural differences and communication all difference. I mean there's a, there's a lot of different layers there and I actually I had a client who this was in a launch I did last year she runs a spiritual coaching business and she did not like look at her numbers, she'd just get very attached to the numbers. And she started talking numbers. She'd start to like eyes would glaze over. And I remember uh one of the, one of the first meetings of the launch where we, where we looked at the numbers, she was feeling very, she's a lot of self-doubt was coming up. She's like, things aren't working. We're not getting enough, not getting enough in book calls booked. We're not. And when I was able to go on our, on our Monday meeting and I brought up the numbers and she was like everything's great. Like like, no, these are really good numbers. We're actually doing really well. Our conversions are really good. We're the call bookings that we're converting from our live events are re- is right exactly where it should be or better. And, and she, and she literally said, she goes, Oh, this is where the numbers are supportive. Yes, Love it. It's affirming that we're, that what we're doing is working. Uh, so there's, it's important to pull in both sides. It's important for things to feel good, but the numbers provide guidance that sometimes your intuition can't right. Uh, It's both, it's both sides of the coin together. I love it. I love it. Gosh, Mm -hmm.
0: so fun today in this. And based on some of the things that we are talking about, uh, what are some of the things that you do in your business to help clients with their launches? I
1: mean... In terms of burnout, number one thing is planning. Number one thing is planning. And, and again, work with a lot of, I work, I personally work with a lot of spiritually led and and, and intuitively led entrepreneurs. And uh, they very often want to feel into th- You know, take, sometimes it takes them some time to feel into things they want to be able to have time to download they uh, again the ideas come in quickly and i think some of the feedback that i've gotten from them is that like they don't want to be like stuck in a plan right they don't want to be like nailed down to something and what i always try to explain is that um, nothing is ever set in stone a right? plan is a foundation It's the foundation, it's dynamic, anything else that it can change and it actually provides you more flexibility and more agility when you have a plan. For example, I've had clients that when they first came to me, they were literally making decisions and, and, and promoting things and creating things like on a day by day, or week by week basis with like absolutely no like no forward planning right? there's no shame or there's no shame or anything here this is we're all human we all you know, we all have our things that we that we get to work on right so when that's the pattern that you're in and the cadence that you're in and your team and this a lot of this help manage teams a lot of this for me always goes back to the team um when the team doesn't know what to expect, when the team is, isn't getting things in uh, ahead of time they're they don't have they can't have any proactivity They right? can't be right. proactive they can't have any forethought and it creates a bunch of confusion there's no clarity things are getting done haphazardly they're getting done last minute, the breakdowns are happening right? and so when something else changes it's it's just another item of confusion thrown into the mix when yes. you have a plan. Everyone's like, even at the basis sense where you know what the goals are, we know what the vision is, we know, I mean, we know the big buckets of things that we're doing, and how we're going to track it, how we're going to communicate and what we're going to do as a team if breakdown happens, those things as part of planning. When you have that foundation and other, and all of a sudden you're like, gosh, I just have this inspiration to do this instead, or wow, this isn't working. Like we need to pivot. It's so much easier to do that. And it's so much less confusing for your team and it's so much more streamlined. So the plan is there to support you and it can still change. So that's like the very first thing is to get ahead of the planning. And I just wrote a really long email about this yesterday (laughs) about having a planning system in your business and, and figuring out a planning cadence. So how far ahead are you planning uh, having a planning team? So involving people in your planning decisions that have knowledge that you may not have or recognize blonde spots that you may not see having um, a system around communicating around your planning and then having a planning software as well. Some system, some type of system for documenting your plans and like making sure things are on track, but yes. planning, planning is always the number one thing.
0: Yes. I love that. And I recently did a, a planning workshop and I talked about the I talked specifically to people who feel that way. And I said, you know, planning is like scaffolding when you're building a building. Love I also it. said scaffolding and then I also said spanks this line is like thanks that it holds you in and people resonated with that it was hilarious they're like yes spanks. I love it because they could get the visual because most yeah. of my clients are females and it just holds you in it just helps yeah. you to look better helps help you know mm-hmm. helps your posture helps you to feel more confident yeah. yes it's not taking away from who you are it just adds and makes enhancing. you feel more confident enhancing yes absolutely yes better. so the People who are listening and they're like, okay, well, well I go back to what you said. Uh, the person who's like, well, I want to show up and I just launch, launch, launch. Here's what I see that that's happening Like with uh, some new clients that come in and they're like, well, so-and-so is doing X, Y, Z, so let me follow that pattern. But they're not seeing the behind the scenes and the planning that's taking Place behind the scenes, they're like, "Oh, she's showing up like this, and she's launching something every every whatever whatever the interval is." Mm-hmm. I can do that too if I want to have that level of business. And it's like, wait a minute, look at you know, the individual. Look, what mm-hmm. kind of team structure do they have? You know? Do they have someone that is planning ahead strategically so that they can Mm -hmm. be the CEO, the visionary of their business? Because they have someone planning out all of the other things in the background that is
1: supporting them, that allows them to be that visionary piece. Well, and the thing is, even when you see what you see on the surface, uh again you don't see the structure and everything behind it but honestly sometimes there's not structure for those folks either so <laughs> there some of them are absolutely some of them some of them are and some of them aren't and all we're seeing is is the surface level so it's really important to be discerning Uh, And really, and that's why when you're talking about in my bio, I always come back to like values. What is, what are our values? What is, what is important to us and our company? And that may mean that we're doing things completely differently than everybody else in our space is doing them. And that's okay. Uh, There's. There's a lot of people that on the surface have really successful, high-earning businesses. They've got large followings and, like, not knocking anybody good for them. But their business may not be sustainable. Their business may not be profitable. You don't know that. We don't know that, seeing it from the outside. you don't see. Maybe they have an amazing team that so you know, that's supporting all this, and they just show up live. Maybe yeah. they not that that's all that they do, but you know, I'm simplifying. But uh, maybe they have built this business over like 20 years of experience of running mm. other businesses and and having having systems that support their business and having capital that supports their business. You don't see yeah. all of that. Maybe they're running Facebook ads, and you don't have the resources to run Facebook ads. So comparing yes. yourself. Uh, to to those folks and following this kind of cook, cookie cutter formulas and frameworks uh, really got to bring it back to bring bring it back to grounding in with your with your you know, with yourself your team your company i had a client last year who uh, who signed up with a coach who has a very well known specific launch formula and she had other she had other people peers in her space that were having success with it again on the surface we don't know what was happening in the back in the back end uh, and She was really excited. We ran the strategy and at the end of it, she was, she was completely burnt out. And when we debriefed, it was like, at the beginning of the year, we said our vision as a team was simplicity. And this strategy that we went ahead with was very complex. It was very complex. There was a lot of moving parts uh, and it did not align with, our value as a company, as a team. And that was very evident in how the launch played out for us and how we all emerged from it. So I think it's when you're thinking about your launch strategy, it's really um, my client yesterday said, having too many cooks in the kitchen. It's good to clear, clear everybody out, get grounded in, have those trusted Team, planning team members that are having some amount of input that, that complement what you and approaching it from that perspective.
0: Uh, where I worked at in oil and gas, it, we had 10 tenants, 10 operating tenants. And one of them was get the right bull involved. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, and on that side of my life, there are so many well, launches on, they're not called launches in that world, but launches projects that we had, that fell apart because the wrong people or the right people were not involved in making the core decisions. Let's say you have a copywriter that is going out of town. It's like, well, we can't necessarily launch at that time because the copy is not going to get written before, or they would have to arrange their schedule to get the copy written before they head out on vacation. But th- that's there's that long lead time that you need to kind of look at this, the systems, the people that are involved and, The nuances between team members and like the whole picture, a big picture vision. And that's
1: part of the planning. That's all part of the planning process.
0: And I think that's uh, one of the things I see people struggle with when they're going from solo to having a team, even if it's just one VA person, they're used to, to doing everything by themselves. And then they start hiring more team members. And then it kind of gets a jumbled mess because there's like, a lot of moving pieces now that they have to be in charge of. And that's when they would hire someone you to help with the launch strategy because you're used to to leading teams. You're used to to seeing the big picture. You're used to to seeing how all the pieces fit together, how the people Mm -hmm. fit together. And it really doesn't matter because I know you've managed big teams, smaller teams, Mm -hmm. seeing what each person has to offer, how they fit into the big picture and their capacity and a lot of team members do multi different things they're multi-talented so can fill gaps in and all that stuff but that takes us as the strategist looking at wow. that big overall picture seeing the wow. gaps and how do we fill those gaps and do we have people on the team that can fill those gaps or do we mm-hmm. need to hire someone else to mm-hmm. fill in those gaps and it's a lot l- corporate management because you've been in corporate management right? leading teams there it's, it's pretty much the same thing as leading teams and entrepreneurship it's just it it kind of feels more like a family vibe though right <laughs> versus corporate where we're like okay well i'm going home now <laughs> going home now you guys figure it out and or we'll we'll come back tomorrow but with the entrepreneurial teams it's like slacker asana yeah. or whatever planning system uses there and And it feels more like family vibe. So anyway, um, last but not least, the question I want to leave with today is if there is someone listening to us talking about the planning, the teams and all of that, uh, and they're just feeling really overwhelmed and like, gosh, do I need all of that in order to live launch? And maybe Mm -hmm. that's what's missing. Um, From my business or whatever, how do you, what would be your words of advice for people who are feeling overwhelmed with live launching and how they can mitigate those, um, well, not only the feelings, but the feelings, the circumstances, the, all the issues that might come up with live launching.
1: Well, I mean, firstly, if big question. I know, <laughs> loaded question. If I mean, if someone's experiencing like launch burnout specifically, and they're like feeling overwhelmed by the process, because you'll see on your on your Instagram feed all these posts about you know, posts on Facebook for let ditch live launching. Live launching doesn't work. All this stuff. Uh, the fact is, live launching works. I mean, people wouldn't <laughs> been doing it for all all these years if it if it wasn't an effective marketing strategy. I would say, and and this kind of sounds counterintuitive for me to say as a launch strategist, don't rely on live launching. So don't just rely on live launching to support your, to be your tra- source of traffic, to uh, create your lead generation, and to create sales in your business. There's other complementary activities that you can be doing in your business to help support your growth, uh, without only relying on live launch strategies. Uh, so I suggest that people look at their business model and, and really uh, think about it really intentionally and how um, it's like don't put all your eggs in one basket kind of thing yeah. like how every other things can fit together and complement each other. Uh, secondly, like I would say. Probably, like, figure out what your issues are with live launching. Like, why does live launching not feel good to you? Um, And when you asked me earlier what's, like, the first thing, and I said planning, after I was talking about it, I was like, actually, the first thing I would do is really, like, figure out what is working with your live launching and what is not working with it. Yes. I think it's really important to do an assessment and this isn't just about numbers. So if you're not a numbers person, a lot of it is the experience. A lot of it is qualitative data, right? Not just quantitative side of things. So it is looking at like, are we using aligned strategies that are aligned to the resources that we have to amount of revenue and capital that we have available to us to the, what our team structure looks looking at, are we using aligned strategies Do those strategies align to our values? And I feel like it all starts with that because I think in the online space where a lot of us have done it too, like chasing what other, we see other people doing and, um, and that, that leads to a lot of burnout too, because when we don't, when we can't recreate the same results, even though we don't have the same resources, we don't have the same capacity, it starts to erode our confidence yeah. and, um, and then and you have self-doubt and then it's like, and then it's like, oh, just, oh, I shouldn't keep live launching. Cause it doesn't work for me. It can work for you. It does work. It's proven to work just to find a better way to do it. That works for you.
0: And that's the main reason why I came up with the burnout archetypes because there are four different personality types and the way that you launch uh, well, using, so the, uh, the popular archetype is similar to the promoter archetype, right? So the promoter archetype could do a lot of Facebook lives and show up because Mm -hmm. that's where, that's how they vibe, That's their energy. And I say perfectionist, which is related to uh, the analyzer. Type. Maybe they're better at doing um, <laughs> email launches because they can mm-hmm. analyze, they can correct, mm-hmm. they can look at the copy, I love that. And, and they can, and before it goes Fine. out, you can have as mm-hmm. many editing and iterations as you want until you feel good and confident, and then you set out those emails, and that and that's how you launch. So there's like so many different, and that's why um, I love talking mm-hmm. about the archetypes because there are so many different ways to launch. In a nutshell, maybe let's define launch for people
1: who are like, what is a launch? Cause you and I live well, in the world. Yes. Basically putting um, yourself out there, your offer out there. I've been thinking, reflecting on this a lot, actually, because when I, when I think about launching for me, launching is marketing. It's in your, your offers out there. When we think about like corporate worlds, a launch is when you're bringing a new product or a new service or a new offer to market. So it's, in the online space, we've started to use it synonymously with with marketing, right? So I think there's a lot of, like, charge around that. I've seen a couple other, like, experts in the space talking about how people are using the word launching incorrectly, actually. I use it in the way I use it because that's what people associate. I mean, that is that's what people associate with. Uh, and also, you know, live launching, when we're talking about live launching, for me, is when you more typically when you have, like, cohort-based group program or something that's starting like at a particular time and you have a runway of time that you're like planning ahead and have multiple events that are leading into one another, taking everyone through a journey into like building the core based program. So when I talk about live launching, that's what it means to me. Uh, But like, again, in the online space, we're using, I mean, I find people are using launching synonymously their regular marketing activities.
0: And and that's where I think it it starts to feel heavy, and that's why people are like, oh, I'm launching. If you're really using launching as synonymous with marketing, then you can never stop <laughs> launching. <laughs> because yeah. if you if you're not marketing, you're not selling. Then do you yeah. really have a business? How are you telling people about what you have to offer? How are you bringing new clients into your world? If you're not talking about your offers. So yeah, if you're listening to this episode and you're like, launches are above me. I'm just here. I'm just starting. So in, in a nutshell, right? Launches are just putting your offers out into the world and letting people know that you have something to offer. So uh, you can you can start small and just talking about your offers online and just keep keep doing that. And but like how Lara said, the live launching that she's talking about and that we've been talking about today is really inviting people to join a program that starts with a cohort. So there's a, you know, a start and stop. There is a whole launch cycle but there's a pre-launch getting people warmed up, nurturing them and then getting people Mm -hmm. into your offer. And do you run sales calls or do you just Mm -hmm. have a link and then they pay and then they join and you have the onboarding process. And there, there are a lot of moving parts to live launches, which is why can feel heavy to live launch. But I'm telling you, it's, what, everything that you build for a live launch, you still have to build for an evergreen model. The only yes. main difference is evergreen yes. is always there and it doesn't really change. But then that yeah. also gets
1: stale because when you do a live launch, is you can tweak your, your... There's a different energy. I listened to a podcast yesterday about passive, passive revenue, not really being passive. The way that a lot of coaches talk about passive revenue and passive products, like Evergreen products that it's passive. It's the same thing, like set it and forget it automation. You don't ever set and forget your automations. You need to right. be looking at your numbers and seeing what's working and where are people dropping off. And what I mean, the landscape of business is changing all the time. Your messaging needs to adjust your, sometimes I have clients that started out in business five years ago who have a completely different avatar now than they did then. So it's, It is dynamic. It is all dynamic. And that's why I love what you were just sharing about the archetypes and like finding the way that works for you uh, because it's, that doesn't, that helps to not have it feel draining. If you're doing a strategy that doesn't align with you or that's going to burn you out, of course, you're not going to want to do it. And how's that going to affect your results? When you have a a guide or archetypes quiz or, or something like that helps you to, figure out what what way aligns to you you have a baseline and then you you test and you tweak you test and you tweak you yeah. test and you tweak right so it's all yes. about that's what it's all about yeah.
0: oh, gosh today's conversation about launches is so so good oh,
1: it was good
0: I, we could probably talk for hours
1: <laughs> yes that's <laughs> so fun I mean you and I could jam out on this stuff all day yes well for those who are listening
0: and they're like I'm not really up to speed. All the things you're talking about feel so overwhelming. I know you have a checklist for them that they could download so that all the things we're talking about today that may seem foreign are in like a super tight checklist for them to look at. Because I I think the people who may feel overwhelmed by some of the things we're talking about today, they're actually doing some of these
1: things in their business and they don't know that they're already yeah. doing it. Absolutely. Yeah, they definitely are. Even if you don't, if you don't have a, a planning schedule ahead of time, you're, I mean, you're planning in some way, <laughs> your lack of planning is, <laughs> is nice. a planning system. Uh, so this, uh, I do, I do call it a checklist, but uh, it feels like a lot more than a checklist. I mean, it really is a launch planning guide and uh, really helps to break down those areas that really help you to understand what's a, that foundation. What's the vision for the launch? What are our goals? Are they realistic? And, uh, and really map out things in a clear way so that you are clear, your team is clear, and you can have a more streamlined execution without all of the burnout or what you're missing and all that kind of stuff. That's the thing. The open loops in
0: our brains really mm-hmm. contribute to burnout, but seeing it in black and white, okay, do I have mm-hmm. it? Do I not have it? I, mm-hmm. I love a good checklist. Mm-hmm. My mom used to yeah. call me her little list maker. <laughs> Because I make lists, I all the love time. it. Because
1: for well, me, checking it oh, off man. gives me that dopamine hit. That's like that that sense of accomplishment. Yeah. Mm. Even if you're a coach with one other person on your team, these these kinds of things really support your implementers because this is the way that their brain works, and then they can show up better in their role to support you. So again, you eliminate some of the decision fatigue. You don't feel like everything's relying on you. They have a guide to support them to execute uh, and execute well.
0: Yes. I love that. And you're so good at helping people Mm -hmm. execute well. Um, And if you want to learn more about her, you can find her on Instagram and Facebook. The links are in the show notes and, and I highly advise that you get on her email list because her emails are pretty fire as well. So go to her website. Links are all in the show notes. Get on her email list. Get you know, Follow her on all the social media platforms because what she spits is
1: legit fire and you're going to want to follow her. Thank you. And I love, love your content too. We're so, we're so, we're so connected. Yes.
0: <laughs> thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank and, you, Kylie. Oh, so fun. And yes, we'll probably have to record another episode. <laughs> Can't wait for it. Thank you so much. Thank you.